Williams racing onto this ball here. The angle is there. Oh, what a finish, Jamie McLaren. Still Ellie Carpenter. Oh, what a goal from Melbourne City. It's three. It's Aaron Moy who places it beautifully in the top corner. All the way through for Sam I'm truly honoured to be here to reflect on the journey that is one Rally Rasik at 34 to lead the country to its first ever Men's World Cup in Germany in 1974. Along the way, some memorable stories. Just to get there in qualification was a miracle in itself. But uh, this man has won so many awards, both at community, national, state level, and not forgetting his exploits as a football manager for the country. And, of course, in the old National League and prior to that with state competitions both in Victoria and New South Wales. I'm very, very happy to welcome you to this unique broadcast. So sit back and relax for the next two hours. We will look back at that journey how he came to be here in Australia, how Sir Arthur George rang him up and told him he had the job, how it all unfolded after 11 qualifying games and then Germany itself and then beyond. And, uh, well, without any further ado, the maestro, the man of the moment, Rally, my dearest friend, thank you for the invitation. Just privileged, privileged to have a team of players as I have here. Good squad, a very good Absolute squad. Absolute brilliant, brilliant. Who, who uh, there, are they? I've never met there them. There is no substitutes. <laughs> yeah. um, Adrian Alston, uh, a player of the highest calibre. Always confident he would agree. He, would, he thought he was much bigger than, than really he was, right? And uh, <laughs> uh, a wonderful football player, wonderful contributor. First Australian player to play with George Best, Gerd Miller, Rodney Marsh, uh, Pelé, Beckenbauer, after the World Cup 74. Absolute brilliant career, except one mistake. Eintracht Frankfurt, Frankfurt offered one contract, Hertha Berlin, the other, and Nodi chooses Luton Town. Uh, that's up to Nodi. They have to explain that part. Uh, what a play. Uh, Jim Fraser. Uh, in a lot of cases, still works in football. Mm. And never wanted to tell me how old he is, but I know even date of birth and everything else. Uh, incredible contribution in the most difficult time. When he stepped in, in uh, especially in a match against Iran in Tehran, it was most amazing human performance that I've seen from anybody. Just 119,000 fans there. Only 119,000 people. But Jim played major role and other player, John Watkins, who was brought in due to the fact that Manfred Schaefer was injured. And Jim uh, Manfred uh, was not able to play, of course. John Watkins stepped in. And John Watkins was one of the best players, one of the best human performances I've seen. And then Max Dolson, impact player that you needed. Uh, with Marconi, we won grand final against Jim Fraser. Jim went for the ball. He said, mine. Maxi knocked it in and said, just pick it up. And that's what Maxi told me before the game to mention. And, uh, and then, then Alex Tobin, what can I say about gentlemen of the game? Three World Cups, captain of the country. Uh, 
comes from Adelaide, which is, was not always on a par with New South Wales or Victoria. But so many of them came from that generation mm. of Zoran Matic, and mm. Alex represent that group of, uh, of uh, footballing legends mm. in this country, intellectuals or intellectual of the highest caliber, still works in football, and that is a magic. Magic and... Uh... Absolute magic, and uh, I'm so proud to have such a team, but nobody on the bench at the moment. So we're playing five-a-side football in the studio a little bit later on, are we? I still take captain's role. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> really, um, two hours, I, I believe, is not enough, personally. And I think a lot of people do, which in social media terms is interesting because a lot of people don't even do something like yeah. this. Let's go back. The difficulty for yourself as an orphan to be raised in an orphanage, but an orphanage that gave you great joy. Post-war orphanage house was a privilege, and uh, uh, kids in the townships and villages didn't have anything. Orphanage uh, under Tito those days, we were privileged class. We had uh, proper food, showers, uh, a proper upbringing, good schooling, incredible good schooling, wonderful teachers and uh, and uh, we we really repay to the to the country and the community for caring for us as orphaners and uh, um, uh, so to, to have a best education and to be leaders in a community which we did become uh, I sh in the orphanage house I had uh, number one zero one and that number is with me for life and uh, so that, that represents my feeling of that uh, pride and honor into Orphanage House. In my room for five years was a guy who had one or three and wouldn't be no other than Milan Galic, who went to Partizan Belgrade. I went to Vojvodna Novi Sad with Bosko Veselinovic Rajkov, you can name as many internationals as you want. And he went to Partizan Belgrade. Well, Partizan Belgrade national team was next stage. He became uh, best goal scorer in history of, of Yugoslav football on the percentages. Became captain of Yugoslavia, captain of Standard Liège in Belgium, and became lawyer of Yugoslav Football Federation those days for 15 years. Mm. Died aged 77, 78. Just going for a television interview, fell down dead right but uh, sharing the room with him for so long mm. it was so memorable but oftener were people who who were at the helm of television in belgrade with academia people nobel prize winner for chemistry cookies and so on Offenish house was the greatest privilege in my life and mm. uh, initiative uh, leader, uh, everything that I have done in life. Uh, I went to play for Yugoslavia under 18 from orphanage house. And uh, when I came back in Belgrade, white Mercedes waiting for me to go to Vojvodina club. And I said to the president of Vojvodina, I said, no, I have 300 brothers waiting for me. And he gave me a hug. He said, we come in three days. So that's how I went to celebrate with the openers.
mm. for three days and joined Vojvodina. Um, amazing story, amazing life, and um, biggest, biggest indicator mm. for me where I'm going to. Well, 101, uh, synonymous number for you, and we hope that you live to 101 because there's only two men left alive that took their teams to the World Cup in Germany in 1974, and that was, of course, Mario Zagallo and yourself. What I'll ask your teammates now, um, the first time they met you and the memory they have, Adrian Alston. I think, and I, and I said before speaking, um, I think it was Victoria versus New South Wales. And, Did you uh, score? Two. <laughs> <laughs> Only two that day. <laughs> uh, but I remember Bulevich on the other side, and I'm thinking to myself, bloody hell, he's a good player. Well, this Bulevich, never heard of him, never heard of him. He played on the left, and uh, I thought, he can play, you know. Another anyhow, soccer another soccer We won 3-1. Later on, of course, it uh, rally came to St George Budapest, where I was playing along, alongside Jim Fraser. And... Uh, so we had a bit of a head start, you know, for the national team because he took over the national team as well. So it, it, it was good for us that, you know, mm. we could sort of uh, understand where he was coming from. <coughs> Straight from the beginning, being a winner, it had to be a winner. Everything, training had to be done properly. There was none of this just going down and silly warm-ups and all the stuff. He, he, he was good and uh, obviously it followed on for all of us, you know, to, to get us somewhere, to be able to get to the it, World Cup final. Didn't, uh, didn't Goff Whitlam say to Rally Rasik once when he met him, he said, Rally, if I can run the country like you run the team, I will be a winner. Is that correct, Rally? Is that correct? <laughs> he said quite a few things. <laughs> he said quite a few things. Did you kick out a Prime Minister out of the dressing room once? Uh, that was Bob Hogg. Uh, that was Bob Hogg with, uh, with Arthur George. Uh, that was a wonderful occasion, actually. <laughs> actually. Not for them. We, we, we played Uruguay uh, two matches. One was, uh, first match was in Melbourne. And we had only two days preparations as usual. Mm. There was no camps for a long period of time. Mm. And... Uh, I tell you, during all week I wore yellow pants because they had up front two players that they were chased by Real Madrid. And Real Madrid apparently offered $6 million for Miller and Morena to Uruguay. So I was really worrying because we have only a few months before the World Cup. And uh, we are nil all. And um, uh, during that time at nil all, I said to Peter Wilson, was about 15 minutes to go, and I said to Peter, just like this, and Peter got the message, but called Karen, didn't get the message, called Karen, typical Aussie. Off we go, forward, <coughs> no reverse gear. And Peter Wilson apparently went, took his right arm and called him every name in the book. He said, follow me, didn't you see what he said from the bench? Close, not to open. <laughs> and. Uh, after the game, Arthur George walked because he was not there as yet. Mm. And uh, he walks in and with Bob Hogg behind him. And Bob Hogg was ACTU, right? And uh, they come in the dressing room and these bastards are all... <laughs> they took the shirts off and singing, celebrating. And, and, Arthur, <laughs> and Arthur comes to me and said uh, he had 
he knew that he can't smoke, but he had that cigar in his mouth, yes. right, without smoking. And I said, I took my arm on the side and he said, I need 22 names. I said, I submitted 27. He said, I need 22. I said, I submitted 27. I implore you. And I grabbed him around his neck, asked the boys, and I said, out. And Bob Hawke went just like this. He said, this is not possible. And all these bastards, they went on the benches without undies. He said, out. No. <laughs> that, was, that was incredible. And I rang him up in the evening in a hotel, and I said to him, rather speaking, Put telephone now. When I ask you to do something, you do it. Do it. And, as, and two days later, we played against Uruguay at Sydney Cricket Ground. And he introduced me to Sir Robert Askin. And he said to him, he said, Sir Robert, may I introduce to you the greatest coach of all time and the biggest son of the beach? So I went <laughs> to Sir Robert Askin, Gospel Truth. I grabbed his hand and I was taught how to shake hands. I said, Pleasure in meeting another son of the bitch because he was a bit of bugger. Are we, are we allowed to swear on social media? I'm just wondering. Jimmy, no. what was your your first encounter with Rally? I uh, saw him at having tea at the, the club at St George before um, we actually had a training session with him. And I looked at him and I thought, look, he's a very stern-looking guy. Um, and that proved right when we got into training. Training moved to a different level. We've been with... Frank Harrick, who was a very good coach, of course, um, rally took over, but it moved to another level then with uh, session planning, um, how, how the game was structured, and, and um, that was it. But just on that, that um, incident that happened with Sir Arthur George, that was one of the things that really um, was a time when the, the, the team saw rally stand up to the president of, or the chairman of, of the old footballers' federation, and um, on behalf of the team, and you were, you were all part-time players. We, we were part-time play... players. You know, yeah. we were all part-time players. Yeah. We worked through the day, and then we, we we went and played football. And we did it because we loved it. I mean, we just loved to play football. But we hadn't seen a coach who was prepared to stand up to the the authority of the day. And Arthur, Sir Arthur George was a very strong personality, and Rally showed that he was too. But you know, we knew that if he was prepared to fight in that situation, yeah. that he fought for us as well which he did, and that galvanised the team. I thought it was an important part of how we, we were actually put together in, in that situation. It was good. I'll go to the big target man up the back, uh, Maxi Tolson. Max, your first encounter with uh, Rally Rassic. Uh, it was a training session, at, uh, I think, at, um, somewhere in Sydney in 71. Um, in, in, in Wollongong, he, he notified me at, on the Tuesday night that Rally had wanted me to come up and train with the national squad. So that was my, my, uh, my first meeting. Um, I think all I got was a, a nod, hello. So I was, and I'd, you know, I'd heard about this guy and uh, from Adrian. One thing he said, he said, listen, because he just keeps on talking and talking and talking. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but, you just threw Noddy under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what was surprising, you know, we trained and trained, but just through the warm-up, um, I was gasping for air. That, that's my biggest memory is to start with. And, and I said to Adrian, who the 
who is this guy? You know, <laughs> nearly died in, in, uh, in the warm-up. But after that, it was, uh, it was great listening to him and that it was a, it was a change. I'll go across to a man who uh, has represented his country over 100 times and over five, I think, 512 NSL appearances, three-time NSL champion, and sadly, and uh, while, while I had the wonderful journey uh, at SBS for a decade, I, I worked on these three World Cup qualifying tournaments and we fell against Israel, uh, obviously, for, for 1990 and then the dreaded um, Argentina. And dare I say it, it did deflect off his leg. It wasn't Zabika's fault, and he'll 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 agree to that for the '94 World Cup in USA. And the the horror, the despair of being unbeaten, and to fall on away goals to Iran. And there's only one man that that's in this room that's been involved in that, and that's Sir Alex Tobin. I'll call you today, <laughs> the Professor, as you were nicknamed, because of your university degree. Good to see you, Alex. Good to see you. First memory of, um, of rally, I, I think it was, I was trying to work it out, probably around about the mid-80s. I, I was playing for Adelaide City, um, started in 84, 85, something like that. And uh, rally had a close connection with many of the coaches, you know, Zoran, uh, John Perrin uh, and others. And I just remember sort of uh, incidents or um, times after games where, you know, he'd come and, you know, share his moments with those other coaches. And I was a younger player, sort of, I guess, absorbing uh, rally and everything, everything around me at that stage. And... Uh, mm. But over the years, got to know him uh, that, much that, better. That would have been the uh, the infamous um, uh, pizza place where Zoran Matic would have a bowl of salad that yeah, was the correct. biggest bowl I ever yeah. saw. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the, very enjoy. There was more things happened there than the actual game after a, a, an Adelaide City game. And I, I suppose too, Rally, you've got three of your friends here that were part of that journey. And sadly, I mean, Jimmy didn't get there. Um, we talk about the qualifying campaign. How difficult was it? Because, you know, for so many of us, it's not the luxury of the instant communication that we have now. It's 1973, mm. foreign countries, two-leg battles. Uh, incredible, incredible. Look, uh, I, when I took San Jose, probably, you know, amongst the coaches, you don't hear very often apology or this. Uh, but if you look in the mirror, Mirror tells you the story. Uh, Jack Riley was brought to St. George to replace Jim Fraser. And uh, Jim went to Canterbury and had a season of his life. I went, after St. George, I went to Marconi. We had incredible year. We became national champions, mm. 1972, Marconi against St. George. And, uh, Jimmy himself uh, took on a chin, typical Aussie, worked his way up, and you have to be big enough when a player is performing as he did to recall the same man to the, for a national team duty. And if I, this is the first time ever that I say, if anybody deserves, deserves credit for us to qualify, that's a Jimmy Price. And from that day, we became best friends, family friends, and we talk, we visit each other on a weekly basis. And that's what football is about, that's what humanity is about, that's what spirit of sport is about. Recognizing to the mirror that you made error. And this man stood be In Tehran, there is no book. If you write book on goalkeeping, Jim Prizer's 
90 minutes plus in Tehran would equal best goalkeeping for demonstration to the goalkeepers in the world. It was amazing what he has done. So we became, out of that, we became best friends. Yeah, I've looked at some of the, the highlights of that campaign and a lot of people don't realise the difficulty of travel, let alone playing the games in difficult conditions and not having the access to watching highlights of teams that you play against. So how do you prepare a team? How do you do your homework to, to get the right outcomes? Uh, I, the one thing should be said here, Jim said it uh, partly. I never was full-time national coach. That's right, you're part-time. I, uh, I was with San George and, and I, I took over from Frank Carrock. And I took over from Frank Carrock. And, uh, and that was uh, something absolutely sensational, that my first task, we are going to Tokyo to play in, a, in, a, in a Tokyo International. Mm. These, these highlights yeah. here, Ali, yeah. of the qualifying campaign. Yeah, that's a bony against Iran. That's, uh, can we rewind that? I missed that goal when I just scored. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting because yeah. you had to you had to have a few two leg battles to yes. get through. Yeah, but uh, but going back to this uh, uh, seventy one, and uh, we went to Tokyo to, to to the tournament to win. San George wins the Toyota Cup, and uh, so. Uh, Wonderful okay. memories for you, though. Yeah. Here, looking at these highlights, do you, do you look back at this much at all, Rally? Are you are you on the internet? Do you check all this sort of stuff? I have every collection of every every game, and I have everything set in my museum. Every bit. When I'm bit down, I open the doors of the museum, mm. Mm. and I walk into the house very happy. South, all the time. South Korea. You play them here. We draw, we play them there, we draw. There's no away goals. And then we have to go to Hong Kong, neutral venue, 24,000 people. And this will lead us in on the back of these highlights to why you're wearing this cap today. But you would have to say it was the most important goal in the history of the game up until that time. Some will say uh, beating Uruguay on penalties to qualify, but as a goal alone, would you all agree? Uh, Easy. Look, uh, when that, that goal was shown all over the world as a top-class goal, which was from the action, uh, Ray Richards took the free kick from about 55, 60 metres from the left. There Peter Wilson, Peter Wilson, Adrian and, and all defensive players were in a bunch. The ball comes to Rooney. Rooney lifts to Mackay from 25, 30 metres, just unstoppable under the bar. One of the best goals you, you would ever, ever see in your life. And uh, that, that's something that you cannot compare. Jimmy Mackay had, today I dedicated to the, one of the greatest players ever, ever to wear jersey green and gold. This is his first game in Tehran on the 4th of, 4th of November when I was only 34 years of age. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and Jimmy Mackay, Jimmy Mackay signaled that time, that was a few days before we played Greece in Athens. That, Jimmy, that would have been a good trip. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Mackay. <laughs> Did he that, score that, again? This hat, this hat is 
respect for Jimmy Mackay, mm. for his goal, for his contribution. We lost Jim Mackay age before 55th birthday. He, he was the and first one we lost from yes, the 74 and team. Ever since, I'm very close with his, man, uh, with his wife, Merlin, mm. Malcolm, his son, and grandchildren. Nice. Malcolm is a unique individual, and Jimmy Mackay's head would be in the museum forever and ever. And the goal... That's what we need. We need that museum. The goal will be shown all over the world again, because that was one of the greatest goals I, I have seen. But Jim Mackay, as a human being, mm. never had one enemy. Never no. had one enemy. Enemy, mm. uh, so belong to the classy football players and you, you know what I like about the cap and the way you look. I was looking at the monitor. You look like you're ready to open the batting for uh, Australia. I was ready. You, you're no, ready. No, Not uh, even you uh, opening the batting. Uh, Greg, Jimmy first drop. Greg Chopper would forgive me for this. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's good mate, but he would be a bit jealous, wouldn't you, he? You know, funny you should say Greg Chappell. Remember when Pele came out and we had the function at the stadium. Uh, he had the book launch. I filmed him when I was at SBS at Bankstown, yeah. then at St George Stadium, yeah. and Pushkas was there. Security wouldn't let me through. They thought I was trying to get a pillow. I'd been filming him for like yeah. three or four days, and Pushkas was talking to me in Greek, and I was so blessed. I never met Pushkas. Yeah. But that time, the function, I saw Greg Chappell, uh, Ian Chappell, <coughs> Dawn Fraser queuing up for, for Pele, for yeah. Pele autograph. It's amazing. Uh, Is he the greatest player ever? Uh, he is a greatest ambassador of football, put that way. Very political, correct statement no, no, there, No, no, he's a greatest ambassador because uh, Pelé, Pelé was always ambassador on and off the field. You could not... Uh, what he did in Mexico in the World Cup, that's just beyond belief, that English media uh, uh, produced that goal of his uh, against Gordon Banks, mm. that header uh, and a save of the century. And then, then player plays uh, 1,000 games. Mm. Then he becomes global ambassador. Mm. He's a commodity that our game worldwide should be proud of. Uh, Who's the greatest player that you've seen? Apart from Odie the Alston. Apart from Odie Alston. Can you hear? Is it louder? I, 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 I belong to the generation of... Uh, of uh, 50s that onwards, uh, yeah. uh, and I can recall at 15 years of age, I was already collecting pictures of greats. And uh, uh, memory of my 1950 World Cup was at Maracana, 215,000 people because it's upstanding, and so on. So tiny Uruguay defeating Brazil 2 1, mm. and so many lives have gone. So many mm. people hung, killed themselves and so on, you know, Brazil. Mm. And celebration of that, and someone wrote the book that he said that uh, the three things in life when you come to Maracana is Frank Sinatra, tenors, and, and Uruguay scoring that. This, this is only three times that complete silence was created at Maracana. Popol. Frank Sinatra and an Uruguayan team. <laughs> Can you believe? And, you know, then famous journalist from um, uh, Mexico, he said, 
you cannot be excused for not attending game at Maracan. So, so what can you say? You know, it's a, he is amazing human being, and I met him on so many occasions. Never ever changed. Always was gentleman. Really, last week Football Federation Australia. Uh, released a document about the, the, the principles of the game, the 11 principles of the game in stepping forward and moving on in the future. And one of them is about the history of the game. And without 74, our history, in a sense, at that level doesn't begin because it was such a long journey between 74 and 2006. We've shown some of the highlights of the qualifying and that historic clinching goal in the third game against South Korea in Hong Kong. What we'll do now is we'll set the scene and we'll meet some of the 1974 Socceroos before they go to Germany. And uh, typically, as we all did, whatever age, back then we watched the ABC religiously as we followed that journey on ABC television. Football in Australia can mean any one of four distinctive codes. Australian rules, rugby league, rugby union and soccer. These soccer players in Australia's national strip of gold and green are known as the Socceroos. And in the space of 14 months, they've waltzed their way into the finals of the World Football Championship in West Germany. To qualify as winners of their Asian group, Australia's World Cup team played a total of 11 matches. Their opponents, Iraq, Indonesia, New Zealand, Iran and South Korea. At home, a million or more Australians watched their progress on ABC television. And as the Socceroos hopped from one pinnacle of success to another, enthusiasm began to spread. Australian soccer had come of age. And in the two principal cities of Melbourne and Sydney, the crowds turned out to watch their newly discovered heroes in action. In this recent match against Uruguay at Melbourne's Olympic Park, the fans voiced their approval as Australia's part-time professionals more than held their own against opponents seeded fourth in the world today. Australia's preparations for the World Cup have been hampered by the lack of finance and by the players' commitments to clubs and employers. Team captain Peter Wilson is a car salesman. Defender Carl Curran nearest the window, a truck driver. Stylish right-back Doug Uchisenovich works as a storeman. Dutch-born Peter Van Rin, the team masseur, and from Melbourne reserve goalkeeper Jim Milisavlevich. Team coach Rally Rasic discussing tactics with German-born iron defender Manfred Schaefer. Strikers Otia Bonny nearest the window, a tailor by trade, and Branko Bulovic. A late comment to the squad, defender Ivo Rudic, and the player injured against Uruguay who won't be playing in Germany, Ray Bartz. The smallest member of the squad, and a Scot, Jimmy Rooney. Jim Mackay on the right, who scored the winning goal against South Korea, and his midfield companion, Ray Richards. Young striker, Gary Manuel, one of the last to be selected, and Dave Harding, another late inclusion in the squad for Germany. Most of these players were born outside Australia, but migrants today form an integral part of Australia's way of life, as well as Australia's soccer team. There are quite a number of six-footers among them, including goalkeeper Jack Riley and, in the white tracksuit, Adrian Alston. At a suburban club ground in Melbourne, Peter Wilson leads the squad out for a training run. This is a city where Australian rules is the dominant football code. And although the Socceroos are in the big league for the World Cup, their appearance at training here arouses little public interest. 
Despite this, the players' dedication and loyalty to their Yugoslav-born coach, Rade Rasic, remain strong. Rasic himself is quick to provide his own testimony. This is very personal. I never lived with better bunch of sportsmen. And I never was associated with better people than I, than I have these 22 two men and would be really, you know, sad to part with them one day, you know, because uh, uh, discipline is something that we don't speak about. The team's masseur and baggage master, Peter Van Rin, has been with the national squad now since 1970. With our determination and our team spirit, we will do uh, very well in Germany. Peter Van Rin's confidence in the team was born out a few days later when Australia surprised the world by beating Uruguay at the Sydney Cricket Ground. A goal down, Uruguay were quick to counter-attack. A corner on the left, and then a cross into the goal mouth that seemed to spell danger. But an intercept by Ray Butts quickly restored the balance. A long ball for Ollerton, and the Uruguayan keeper straying too far upfield is stranded. Ollerton rounds him in a flash, and Uruguay's fate is sealed. Australia 2, Uruguay 0. Australia's coach, Rade Rasic, is the first to heap congratulations on a jubilant Peter Ollerton, quickly followed by other members of this soccer team from down under. The message would seem to be abundantly clear. Tell the world and Germany the Socceroos are coming and we'll go a-waltzing with them every centimetre of the way. The dulcet tones of the one and only Martin Royal, who I grew up uh, following and, and dreaming that one day I might be a commentator. Look where it's taken me. It's taken me all around the world. I'm now based in Ing India for the last five years. And I, I just want to say um, our deepest thoughts and sympathies are with, with the football family that we've, we've lost. There's been so many wonderful people from playing, refereeing, administrative... Uh, levels and uh, Martin's one of them. We recently lost him, and uh, our thoughts and prayers are to the football family. And as we get older, rallies sadly, um, it's going to be a common denominator. Yeah, well, we lost we lost so many giants of football. Mm. Uh, Joe Marston, who played uh, in FA Cup uh, with Tom Feeney, and uh, we lost, uh, as we mentioned, Jim Mackay, Johnny Warren, Rudich died. And, uh, Murray Barnes, uh, Eddie, Murray Thompson, Barnes Joe Eddie Thompson, Watson, Joe okay. Watson. Uh, uh, lately, we had the Darren Stewart yes. dying, and uh, it's a it's a tragedy, human mm. tragedy. But uh, we have to celebrate those. Uh, Frank Parsons today is 95, 96 years of age, lives at Kempsey on a farm, and Frank doesn't hear very well. He was a school principal. Mm. What a wonderful human being, and he played for Australia those days. Uh, uh, and he was a team manager on, on few toes. Mm. And uh, such a lovely, lovely human being. Uh, uh, so, but uh, when, you, when you think about people, John Barkley, who was a, a manager of the team for so many years, and Peter Van Rien, who was one of the greatest contributors yeah. to football, as a, as a whole, because his human side was phenomenal. But I have one secret to release now about Peter Van Rijn. We need scoops. Yeah. Peter would work with the Bastards for 
from uh, session one, session two, session three, because under Joe, uh, and I'm not critical, was three times a week. Under me was three times a day sessions. And, uh, and, and Peter, I said to Peter, you are not physio only. He said, what the, mm, I am. I said, my room door is open till one minute to 10. You open the door to tell me what happened during the day. Because massage table tells you the story. Mm. Injuries, this and that, unhappiness, drop, not. And he, would, he was a, my num, right hand man for all my coaching life uh, with the national team. Uh, it was incredible, incredible. His son, Laurie, came to me a few months ago and brought 22 items that he collected from the past our tours and Can so we get them on. Back now? Uh, to <laughs> to bring me to he said, This is for your museum. That's from my father. In Dutch language, in all languages. Mm, yeah. Peter was was absolutely phenomenal. Dr. Brian Corrigan became part of the family, big part of the family, and uh, was so sad to to see Brian leaving. But that's that's that that's something which happens on a and then, and then you look yeah. at the you look at the media you, you know from your your Laurie Schwab's Les Shorrock, Mark uh, Cockle, Les Murray, uh, 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 and Andrew uh, Detre, who was my yeah, first editor when I started. Yeah. Strangely, and Andrew was ninety two, and Andrew uh, worked for the Minister of Sport, Frank Stewart, under Gov Whitlam, and uh, this is how I became part of the formation of Institute of Sport in Canberra, but uh, Gov Whitlam got booted out, uh, uh, so... Straight red card, so, that one. Yeah, so I got the red card with the, with the, uh, with the formation of the institute. We wrote the, uh, the book, the program, we traveled the world, submitted to, and Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Fraser uh, took over, and all credit went to Malcolm Fraser, and our names never mentioned since. That was innovative, the institute. It was, mm. uh, was incredible. We traveled to Russia, we traveled to Poland, Czechoslovakia, Hungary. We traveled to Israel. We traveled to Germany, France, United States, Canada, different groups. And uh, that, was, that was fantastic. But losing the people is, is such a, such, such a so difficult. I can recall when we played against Iran, Alex would know that one. I sat with John Kuzmina, Jim Mackay, and I was between the two. And when the net was pulled down, uh, neither John said a word nor, nor, nor Jim Mackay could see Terry Venables on a bench. Phenomenal coach, phenomenal player, coach of Barcelona, coach of England. You cannot criticize that. But he didn't pay attention what was happening at that moment in time, right? And that's really what coaching is about, right? And. Uh, First goal, second goal, Jim Mackay pushes me, said, we are gone. And John Cosmina said, we are gone. And I looked both of them tears, like five cent pieces. And I said, John Cosmina, hard as a rock. And these tears are running like that. That's unbelievable. Mm. And uh, I mean, uh, feeling for that green and gold, when we, when we were in a stadium introduced to the 100,000 people, I, I could not believe that Royce Royce was moving or that mm. I'm seeing that MCG mm. was 
as big as Maracana. I've never seen. It, it was. Uh, uh, I was. Uh, I was. Uh, I was doing radio commentary for Two GB, so I was pitch side. Uh, the buzz that night. We're all thinking we're going to the World Cup. We're just mm -hmm. close. Yeah, uh, a lot of people criticized Terry. We were at the press conference before the game in Casino, and uh, and I questioned from the someone of the journalists came. Why did you drop? Ivanovic, right? Fair, fair question. Yeah. And Alex will second that. And, uh, and Terry looked at me, he said, I'm the coach, I make decisions and I live by that. Mm. Alex, you, you played in that game. It was a tough one. Uh, we, we were talking about the history of the game and that was, you know, one of the, the, the saddest moments. Obviously, I was heavily involved in it, but... Uh, yeah, really, uh, that one was a, a particular one much, hard, hard much, to take. Much, much tougher than, than losing to oh, Argentina by, 100%. by one goal, 2-1 yep. on aggregate. Yeah, with, with Argentina, you, you knew that you know, that was a, a monstrously huge game for us, but you knew where you stood in that sort of game. With Iran, it was totally different. We dominated and to, suddenly to... Uh, and leading 2-0. Leading 2-0 and to yeah. end up that way was just heartbreaking. He, Rally, one thing I've learned over the years with Rally is that... that, that when you are picked to play for your country, I mean, you, you first, not only do you have great pride, but the respect of the shirt and what that represents. And that's something that is obviously instilled to everyone that he's coached here. How is it for you when you reflect on the 74? Because you, you probably have that inspiration and that desire, we have to do this again. We have to qualify. We have to give hope for everyone that we can be amongst the world's best. I think every soccer who goes through that, every campaign, you're, you're, you're thinking you're part of history, you're, you're trying to, to uh, I guess, the, the Holy Grail, which is a, you know, a, a World Cup. Um, but, uh, yeah, my generation, certainly, we, we, yeah. we thought long and hard about uh, 74, about getting back there again and so on. We, we always that had as, that as one of the motivations. Um, unfortunately, those times weren't there. We had to wait till 2006 to get there. Even then... Now, the gents here, obviously, were working. They weren't full-time footballers. And I recall in those days of the National Soccer League that a lot of you, you, you university educated, I think, uh, was it a draftsman, engineering? Architecture. Architecture. You were you working and playing football and representing your club and country? Is that what you were doing? It was a generational thing. Yes, absolutely, in the mid-'80s when I started. Um, and then it trans, you know, uh, transferred into full-time professionalism and so on, I guess, by the time I finished. Mm. Uh, so that was a... But, yeah, definitely in the mid-'80s, the, mm. the National League, which was, you know, going well, but, yeah, pretty much everyone in that competition at that time mm. had a job during the day, generally would train at night. That's not to say that you didn't train professionally because you trained every day, and Zoran Matic, mm. for example, trained practically every day. <laughs> um, but, yes, you, you obviously... You Pro worked during you know the day. What? Probably, the, probably the greatest coach not to coach the Socceroos, Zoran Matic. Look, he, he, he has made impact on, on Australian football with his personality. That, that, look, not because he's here. That Adelaide team yeah. was one of the, the best teams you'd ever see play. Uh, uh, Alex, we agree with, you, with me and all <laughs> of you. Zoran is Zoran. He's unique. Mm. And you cannot oppose Zoran's view, even if he's 99.9 .9 wrong. <laughs> but Zoran always led by example, yeah. didn't he? 100%. And that was no, not many coaches that could be compared with, mm. with him. He did something in the front of the, of the people that he believed that is right, and that was his way, correct? Uh -huh. And there was no other way, mm. right? 
um, when you work with the national team, especially today, these player, players may come from 11 different coaches and 11 different clubs. And no national team can be a great national team because it has a great players. Great teams win the qualifiers and big matches, not great players. On that note, Rally, you, you talk about qualifiers and, and the team gets to Germany. Now, what a lot of people don't realise is that in 1972 at the Olympic Games, terror literally hit Germany. And just two years after, Germany is again hosting a World Cup where the part-time footballers from Australia are going into a new frontier. First time ever to qualify. And what greets them at the other end, well, it's interesting in terms of security alone. Let's reflect again, courtesy of ABC TV. Behind me, the sweeping lines of Hamburg's Volkpark Stadium, where in a few hours' time, Australian soccer will go on show to the world. It's Australia's first appearance, and these the greatest of football international occasions. Hosting the World Cup has cost West Germany close to $70 million and taken about seven years of planning. Many thousands of dollars have been spent upgrading the stadium alone to the requirements of the International Football Federation. To ensure the pitch is in the best possible condition, no play has been allowed here for at least a month, and workmen are still adding the final touches. The Australians have been preparing for the opening match at their Hamburg headquarters, a huge sports centre about half an hour's drive from the centre of the city. The training facilities are first class, with acres of playing fields and excellent indoor clinics and gymnasia. Perhaps the hardest thing the players have had to face has been the intense security. Throughout the day, players and officials are shattered by armed security guards. Without proper passes, it's almost impossible to get into the camp. The German authorities point out that they live in fear of a repetition of the massacre of Israeli athletes by Arab terrorists at the Munich Olympics in 1972. They are taking absolutely no chances of this happening again at the World Cup. From the moment they reached Germany, the Australians saw for themselves how seriously the Germans are taking the safety of the world's top soccer players. At Hamburg Airport, the security men kept the welcoming party in a tightly controlled group. There was no news conference and formalities were kept to a minimum. As well as the dozens of security guards and policemen, an armoured car patrolled the arrival area. It all seemed a long way from the soccer fields of Australia. There could be no more testing debut for our team. The German authorities tell me that Australia's first match here against East Germany will be seen live by up to 300 million television viewers in most of the major countries. The 60,000 tickets for the game were sold out weeks ago. And in this fine German seaport, the inhabitants have already coined a new phrase for the Australians. They just could not get their tongues around the word socceroos, and they've changed it to the phrase der kickeroos. By coincidence, Australia's first opponents, East Germany, are also making their first appearance in the World Cup. Australia's other two opponents in the first round are the host nation and favourites for the tournament West Germany and from South American Chile. It's a very tough section indeed. No matter how the Australians perform, the man who will take the ultimate responsibility is the Australian coach, Rally Rajik. Do you have any definite idea how Australia will play as such, what your tactics will be? We may predict one aspect that we will be forced on defense. We would be forced because the, this is the strength of the, our, 
our opponents. And this this is very dull, unattractive soccer rally, isn't it? Uh, it's a trend all over the world and uh, used everywhere. And the team which is winning is a team which is successful. And so success is everything today in football. Our beauty is a bit forgotten. What can we do? You know. But as I said, against such a classy opponents like West or East Germany and Chile too, it's very difficult to, to, to take that best part of the game under your control. Otherwise, they wouldn't be such a brilliant footballers if they could um, be beaten by any opposition. What then are Australia's chances? Well, the latest betting in Hamburg leaves it no doubt that Australia still rank among the very least likely country to win. In fact, you can get odds of 200 to 1 against here in Hamburg of Australia winning. They rank with teams like Zaire and Haiti, and that doesn't leave too much chance of Australia even qualifying for the second round. However, the Australians with guts and stamina are determined to put up a good show on this their very first appearance. And whatever else happens, they won't let Australia down. This is Tom Mackay reporting from Hamburg for ABC News. Once again, thank you to ABC News. Okay. And sadly, there's one gentleman out of the, uh, the group from 74 that didn't get to the World Cup. It was part of the qualifying process. We touched on it earlier. And for Jim Fraser, Jim, you look at that now and... What are your thoughts? Because you're in that tough decision. Work or football? Yeah, it wasn't quite that simple. Um, you know, there'd been... I had a partner who um, I'd put, invested a lot of money into the company. We had a big workforce, 150 people. Um, and uh, every time we went away, of course, the business suffered because I wasn't there, uh, which put my wife under a lot of strain. She copped a lot of the flack. Um, and... Uh, it just got to the stage when we go... I mean, I remember in, in uh, Korea where Rally got a telegram because there, there were some dogs that I had, security dogs, locked in a, in, in a, uh, a, an area that we um, hadn't rented out to and they hadn't been picked up because nobody could handle mm. them. So the, my own handlers were scared to go in with these things. And Rally didn't hold that back till afterwards. I didn't find out till after the match. They discussed it and they, they didn't um, mention it before the match. So it all those sort of things going on. And, you know, we were part-time footballers. Um, the, um, most of our work was on building sites. Um, a lot of the, the people who I had employed were going to lose their jobs if I went. Plus, mm. my partner sued me and I lost my house over it. It, was, it wasn't an easy decision to make. And, I, look, I've regretted it, certainly. Um, it's had a big impact on my life. Every time I go out, of course, people say to you, well, you know, why didn't you go? So mm. you repeat the story again. Um, you must get sick of repeating the story too. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's one, look, I'm, I'm lucky because I've always been involved, they've always made me part of the team and I, I just thinking about before when O'Reilly was talking about Peter Van Rin. It was a family that we're in and Peter Van Rin and Doc Corrigan and those guys, you wouldn't have any other team in the world where those guys had the input that they had and Rally allowed that. I mean, Peter Van Rin, I can remember him giving us a team talk before one of the matches, I think it was against uh, Iraq or Iran in Sydney, and people were sitting around almost crying because he was so passionate about it, what he was talking about. And I say, you had the masseur who had an input in, and, and the doc had an input. Everybody had input. It was a family. How, how hard was that for you, though? Oh, you, you, you're with that family of mates. Well, yeah, I know. Mates. It's terrible. And I mean, I wanted to be there. I mean, it was, um, it was one of those things. And um, it didn't happen. I made the decision. And um, as tough as it was... Um, I've had to live with it ever since and, uh, mm. you know, I, I still supported the boys when they were over there, of course, and watched the mm. games and did all that. And um, fortunately, I've always been involved ever since and still part of the family. So your cost is the World Cup. Absolutely. No, <laughs> but if Barty Hoggy and I had been there, we probably would have won it. <laughs>
Your customers are welcome. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> how, how was it, that family? Because we, we hear the stories. I've seen them. I've heard them. I've spoken with a lot of the 74 boys. I've, you know, I've been privileged enough to have that position to do that. I mean, what, what defined you guys? I think, first of all, getting back to Jimmy, he's, he didn't go, but it's really no fault of his. Yeah. It's, it's like you can't. You just can't do it. He had to make a decision. It's his life. It's his. It's it's his business. It's if he'd have gone, he'd have lost everything, everything. which he did anyway. In the <laughs> end, he lost it anyway. In the end, am I right? Mm. And and you go through that, and it's all mm. for nothing. That's the disappointing mm. thing. Well, Max... And for us too, because you're talking about a wonderful player, Jack Riley, wonderful goalkeeper. You know, as with Jimmy, we had two good, you know, excellent goalkeepers. You know, there's no doubt about it. But. At that time, he'd have been the number one choice mm. because of what we've just been through to qualify oh. and stuff like that. But as far as the family and everything like that, Max Tolson's over there. He was by my best man mm. at my wedding. I was only in the country four months. I came over here for six months to play for South Coast United, a six-month contract. From Preston? From Preston North End youth mm. grade. And some guy saw me and said, you should play in Australia, Jimmy Kelly. And I'm going, Australia, why? Why Australia? He said, because the grounds will suit you. They're, they're very hard and you like to yeah. run with the ball and all that, you know? Yeah. Because in England, it's quagmire all the time. Mm. Not now, but it was in them days. Mm. So to cut a long story short, I come over. Two weeks later, sent a letter to my girlfriend. I said, you've got to get over here. You've got to have a look at this country. You've just got to see it. But I, I had a six-month contract or one season, one season, maybe seven months. And uh, in the meantime, you're sort of getting selected for New South Wales. Then the season after starts and then you pick for Australia and she didn't see her family, my girlfriend, for seven years. So they didn't like me for a while. <laughs> did, you, but, did your girlfriend become your wife? She did. She's still there. She's a lucky mother as well. <laughs> she might be watching. She might be Doreen, Doreen, I do apologise. She's lovely. You're the best. You're the best. The, uh, she's a great cook. The, <laughs> oh, don't! The, uh, as far as the family goes... As far as the, you know, the, the family, family goes with yeah. the players, there's, I can't see any team since who actually are on the phone to each other all the time. The boss rings us up. Mm. Once a month, I'll get a call. Obviously, he treats the other players I get better. one fortnight. Exactly, he treats you better. <laughs> <laughs> Not just that, but, but I was the leading goal scorer. By the way, in the background, have we got the Johan Cruyff turn? You've definitely got it. I did it first. So it's got to be seen on here. People are watching. They're watching live. They They're watching live around the world. Who it really is first against East Germany. Anyhow, we've got the highlights coming up, I'm sure. But, yeah, I don't know about the Family, too. family, yeah. They are still. We, he picks me up this morning. We come up here. Max Tolson all the time. Bet my best man. Teammates, everything like that. Otia Bonnier, ring him and stuff. Jimmy Rooney in, in Melbourne. We were so close. You know, there's nobody like... Like we are for that, you know. You, as far I, as the I loved, goes. I loved the um, the Zoom that you did on FFA recently with uh, Jimmy and <laughs> and Ray and everyone else. It was so much fun. I mean, and, and, and you know what? <laughs> I what serious. I like about something like this, um, the look, we're the converted. So what we're doing here, in effect, a lot of the new generation that don't know the real history of the game yeah. are getting a lesson in the history. And yes. again, we to define who we are and where the game has gone, let's reflect on the journey and how it all began, you know. Um, can I just comment yeah, on that? Yeah. Um, what it meant to be part of the team. We played in Iran, 
we won 3 0 in Sydney. We go over there, 100,000 plus people at the stadium, moat around the ground, soldiers with submachine guns, all of that sort of thing. And we get to a situation where um, before the national anthem, I looked along the line and it was very intimidating, right? And our body language wasn't great. And I've never seen that before. And I, I, I was really worried about it. I thought, gee, this isn't good. The national anthem played. And by the end of it, everybody changed their body language. So that team, just yeah. the national anthem, the shirt meant so much to them. And by the end of it, and I, 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 said, I thought then we're going to qualify. Yeah. So there was a transformation. It was like something out of a movie to me. And probably the biggest thing that ever happened to me in my life, just looking along there and thinking, how good is this that we can have that situation? And then later on in the match, it was funny because Johnny Watkins had an unbelievable match that night. Um, and as, as serious as it was, it was still better on the field amongst the players. And John Watkins tailed somebody for a good 30 or 40 metres. The guy's getting passes, came into box, hit the ball down low on the left. I've got a touch to it and it's gone around the bar and I'm happy with it. I thought that's a good sign. Is that the infamous black and white photo that, um, it, that's it, out there? Yeah, that, yeah, that's it. And then Johnny Watkins said, for God's sake, Pop, how many more bloody corners are you going to give away? <laughs> right? In the heat of all that, and I tell you, that's unbelievable. You know? But that was part of what we did. That part of that team, and that gets back to the environment created by Rally that I'd mm. never seen. And I was in the 70 World Cup team. That wasn't part of that. It was just completely mm. different. Uncle Joe Blass is a great coach, great guy, and that was a great team. And he missed by one goal to get into the, the finals, and they've mm. been credited with that. But different situation. Singing on the bus, none of that happens now. You know, mm. the, the, the whole banter and, and, and whatever, part of the family, but that incident with the national anthem really sticks with me. You, you wind the clock forward, yeah. right, to, to 1993 when Alex goes up to Iran. Yes. Similar scenario, massive crowd, intimidating atmosphere. The bond that they had, was that the same at that level in that team? I think all, all the teams that I, that I played with had a great bond. You know, we had great teams, great teammates and so on. Mm. There's different generations and people mm. sort of have different relationships yeah. at different times and I'm sure the, is the it current because, soccer is, is, rooms is are different as well. The, is it because these guys were the first team to qualify for the World Cup? Is that what you think? Oh, 100%. And, and I think what they did also then generated into how close they were afterwards or still to this day, mm. which, you know, it's, it's something very, very special that they did. And because they were the first, there's, there's obviously, you know, great... Uh, uh, reflection in that, and uh, it's fantastic that they're in regular contact to this day, and uh, mm. that they had a you know, a great bond as a team. I would hope that all Socceroos ever since also have had a great bond. Certainly, teams mm. I was involved with did, um, but it does change over the generations, no doubt. Max, what was it like leading into that first game? You're in the squad, and there's no guarantees who's starting, um, and the squad is one, and you're in. Germany, and you, you're ready to play your first, first World Cup qualifier. I was thinking of my father, how, how proud he was. Um, I was... It was new to me. It was sort of into training and then, uh, and then first, game, um, first game in um, Brisbane. Rally was handing out the shirts and... and uh, I was just thinking, how big is this? You know, how you know, the pressure. I was thinking, first game, and he walked by and he threw the shirt at me and, and hit me in the chest. And he just gave me that that look, and um, you can't explain it when mm -hmm. you, your first game and you, you, when that shirt hits you. And then, of course, 
the bonus was uh, I scored a goal. So it, was, you're talking about Israel. Big up, you're talking match against Israel. For his first shirt, shirt makes his same. First yeah. shirt, yeah. first yeah. time. Yeah. Actually, I've just been handed something here. Um, black and white photo rally. What's what's that about? No, no, that's a that that's a great celebration in history of football, right? That's a Hong Kong Jimmy Mackay. That that is something so special. But uh, what I did this that Australia, thank you, uh, because we were champion people in champion feeling feelings towards the country that national pride, national honor. I listened to uh, Alan Jones' interview with the guy on the, who did caricature of Alan Jones, and he said, you also taught uh, um, your team to, how to sing national anthem. Well, my story started from the day one. If you cannot stand up for national anthem, stand still, you don't play. If you cannot sing, you don't have to sing. If you sing, sing well, correct? correct. And dressing room would be falling apart because of Socorro's desire to go <coughs> and represent that green and gold. But that story of Alan Jones, because Alan did that 1984. With uh, the Wallabies? Yeah, but that's a 10 years later. Yeah. Mm. Uh, in actual yeah. fact, 14 years later, because from day one, I always said, if you can play, you can sing, you sing. If you can't sing, stand still, arms by your side, like a soldier's, right? But that was the greatest pride and honor that we always display for, for our country. And that, that, that nothing in the world can match. I, I suppose we all agree that nothing in the world can match that sound mm. of the national anthem and probably Irrespective, Maracana or mm. Hamburg or or Munich or or Roma didn't make any difference, Alex, did it? Mm. When national anthem is played, it's a composition of people of so many six different nationalities. Having Harry Williams that as a special person representing his race, first indigenous Australian, twenty-one years of age. Mm. That Harry Williams today is an artist, yes. elite mm. artist, most beautiful human being that you can ever come across. You haven't room with him. <laughs> 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 I would say, but that was a pride and honour. You know, that's a, a very good point you make, Rally. The um, contribution of Indigenous Australia to football. Uh, uh, I've come across that. Uh, with Johnny Warren, when I first met Charlie Perkins, oh, Charlie. I used to hear stories from yeah. my father that he played for his beloved Panhellenic. Yes. Uh, John Moriarty. And then you, you look at Jade North and, and, and Dodd and, and so many others, and now the Matildas. I mean, Lydia Williams, Sam Kerr. We've got Indigenous Australia. Why aren't we producing players of Indigenous background? I see rugby league, AFL, union. What, where have we gone wrong here? I don't want to get involved. Alex works with the, with, the, with the youth programs, and he was a director of coaching. Better him to answer. Uh, I think that, you know, nobody knows because he comes from the same background as I do. We recognize talent in the streets in Europe. 
talent is a, a, a scout, good scout to say to Sir Alex Ferguson, I have something special. And Alex Ferguson said, I stood down meeting with Cantona, with George Best, but I never stood down meeting with my head scout because scout had always something so special to tell him about talented players. Uh, at St. George, at one stage, we had Paul Degney, Muddy Treasure, yes. Harris Brothers, George yes, and yeah. Barry, Barry, correct? Yeah. We had so many players just because influence of Jim, influence of Noddy, influence of Warren, influence of Schaefer, then for that Harry Williams, that was a, just the greatest human privilege to put that mm. shirt of St. George on especially mm. when he came to play for Australia. Mm. I took him on a 1970 World Tour and mm. we reached England. <laughs> it was such a, a, a snow fell down in Manchester <laughs> and, and Manfred Schaefer bounced the ball once and Harry, excuse this, yeah, Harry puts hand in the pocket and <laughs> he bounces again and Harry <laughs> and Schaefer, for God's sake, give me a smile. I can't see you. Harry locked up himself for two hours in a room. But then Harry Williams grew up being cracking the jokes. Incredible, mm. incredible mm. sense of humor. An incredible human being. You know, that uh, when you hear name Harry Williams, mm. you feel that you are part of the, not only football life of someone, but human. Mm. Uh, it's a humanity what we what we did in, in, in through Paul Degney, another example mm. of Aussie kid who came f 10, 15 minutes late to Marconi training, yeah. mm. and I find him fifteen dollars. Those days, fifteen dollars was quite a bit of money. Mm. And then, when I find him fifteen dollars, he called me on the side and he said, "See this shirt here, hasn't been washed." for a long time. He said, I'm a student in Goldburn. $15 is big money. So next envelope, I put $30 in his envelope, pay envelope, give to give money. him, compensate for it. But then I found that, that Paul Degney didn't have a mother, mm. and father was engineer, and so on. Mm. So then you realize what life mm. is. Lovely, about. lovely man. Is, is he still a uh, school teacher? Uh, no, oh, he was a, with the education department. He's <laughs> advisor to yeah, education yeah. Oh, department. He did very well at that. Good. Yes. Uh, he was a principal at Bexley Public yeah, School. That's right. And that to administration then he became, well, yeah. yes, an advisor to education department. We didn't ask, we didn't ask the question, Rally. Where were you when Sir Arthur George calls you and says, Rally, mm. we've watched you do what you've done in Victoria. You are now the Socceroos coach. Where were you, and what no, do you recall? I, I, I was I was coaching Melbourne that time. Uh, JUST? Previous, no, no, Mel, Melbourne. South Melbourne, Melbourne. Otiabonis team, original team of Aboni. Okay. Uh, Melbourne, Hungary. I was called. Okay. Yeah, and uh, a call came, and uh, he said, "Job is yours." That was 13th of August, and I said, "Thank you very much," and so on. He said, "You." see when you can come to Sydney. So next day I rang Arthur and I said to him, I said, there's one condition for me to come to Sydney, not to waste your time. I want sole selection. I don't want managers or anything. That's a tough, very tough question. They like the trips. I said, yes, I know. They like wine and dine and have a good time, 
but I need people not talking who, about the players. who are part of the team. <laughs> part of the team. And, that, and then I went for a meeting with him. He held his cigar. He said, job is yours. And with that. Uh, but what Arthur sort of... Uh, uh, I must give him a credit for one thing. I went to Warunga to check hotel before they arrive, at two months before team arrives. And I'm there talking about breakfast, lunch, dinner. And he, this Ashley tells me, he said, pig's ass. And I didn't know what pig's ass meant. I didn't know that he knew. <laughs> he said, pig's ass. I said, pig's ass or not pig's ass? I said, cook breakfast, cook lunch, cook you dinner, <laughs> food on a table 24-7. If they want apple or something, drink and so on. Drink meaning soft drink and so on. And uh, he said, who is paying? And I grabbed the telephone and Arthur said to his credit, he said, give the bastard whatever he asked for, <laughs> right? And that was short. But to conclude that, that fox and hound here yep. is in minds of all of us today because 15 years after I finished with Socceroos, I used to take corporate people for lunches. You know what? Never got a bill. Never. And that team, when the bus leaves, you ask the boys, who is crying? So Ashley. George. He sent the bills to him. <laughs> Ashley, <laughs> Ashley crying, his wife Linda and the staff. Yeah, they were, and yeah. the day, that, that was incredible, right? Really incredible. But the boys had anything they wanted, but three times a day training. And let me finish on that, this hat here. One day we come from Jura. We had run in the morning, correct? Then we go first session Jural, yep. lunch, rest, second session Jural. Is that uh, Engelfield Stadium. Stadium? Yeah. It's a knockout. That's yeah. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and uh, and we, we are coming. It was a very hot day, our second session. Third one is still to come. And Jimmy Mackay looks at me, he said, and he's next to Rooney, he said, boss, nothing would compensate for a, for a beer. So uh, when they went for a, before they left for a second session, I put two bottles of beer in their room, Rooney and Mackay. And these two come to me as innocent as they came here. Hey, boss, because they are smart, Scottish, you know. He said, um, boss, there is a, two bottles of beer in, in, in our room. I said, go back, I send another six, because if you are honest, <laughs> I don't care, I don't care. I send another six. And Jimmy Mackay thought that was much better than winning every cup. <laughs> that was, that was. Uh, and, and if you knew these people, uh, how they act and react, Perrin, John Perrin and Billy Wojtek sharing room in Tehran. In Tehran, you can't go anywhere. Can't go anywhere in Tehran. And someone fixed the switch from outside, Alex. And, and they say, good night, good night, John, good night, Billy. And they left. He said, you didn't turn the light off. I did. So he turns the light off. Goes to lie down, light back again. <laughs> they could not work all night because someone, someone was a devil to fix. These were the things that you have that builds that spirit mm. and people. 
And then we arrived from Terra to Athens, correct? Mm -hmm. We were very successful. We are still undefeated the 1970, yeah. yeah. And then Ferenc Puskar saw us at training at Panathinaikos ground. And he said to Peter Van Rind, and Peter was next, first next to him, he said, coach crazy, because we, I had to, because we played day before in Tehran, and I had to hit them hard to sweat. And uh, anyway, we beat Greece 3-1, which you know they would remember quite well, wouldn't you? <laughs> Did, was that the game where I scored before you sat down? <laughs> yes. 37 seconds. Of yes. Was it? Yeah. It was still standing up. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and uh, anyway, Peter Van Rijn spots Ferenc Puskas from the crowd, drops his, the gear, you know, on the ground and runs to Puskas. He said, coach crazy. And Puskas said, not at all. Right, because three one. That was mm. first defeat of Greece in, in 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 three years on home soil. Yeah, and uh, and Helmut Schen was in a crowd watching the game because Germany was playing week later against Greece in Athens. So you know that is that, that was a moment mm. when we started to hit uh, Petropoulos, say that Jim Mackay and Adrian Alston. Adrian Olsen, um, mm. right? and Adrian also <laughs> represent European class players. Mm. And that was uh, uh, such an encouragement to us that you could not ever believe, you know, what is football about. Well, it sets a scenes rally because uh, you play three World Cup games in the space of eight days. And the first game, of course, was against East Germany in Hamburg. Let's reflect. A big moment for the Socceroos from Australia as they kick off in their first match here in Hamburg against East Germany. Buljevic. The bounce didn't help him there. And a bad clearance. Shot was by Warren. But the Australians are rapidly getting the neutrals in this crowd on their side. Curran. Buljevic just inside, number 20. Curran again. Alston waiting for the cross. Oh, and a pity it wasn't a bit stronger. Buljevic didn't give it enough pace. Branch. Seven is Pomerenka. And he's onside. Sparbasser. lines on the man who nearly got it off the line but Schwabasser has scored for East Germany it was a nice touch from Schwabasser this Vogel oh what a superb goal by Joachim Streich there's the final whistle, so East Germany goes to the top of Group 1, having beaten Australia by two goals to nil, but this was the story of a tremendous resistance by the Australians for nearly an hour. The Socceroos from Australia proved tonight that they're very definitely not here just for the ride.
Wonderful commentary and great reflections. I'm pretty sure that's John Motson uh, in commentary. Rally, you, you, you faced the first game. Uh, you're proud of the boys, no doubt. We had uh, absolutely superb preparations. Uh, we uh, travelled from Indonesia. We had a bit set back there. Kolkaran was injured. Then, uh, then Israel. We, we we went to Israel. I didn't. I, I flew to East Germany to see East Germany versus before, England. Before I forget, yeah. we, we, I'm not sure if we mentioned, but we should pay a little tribute to Ray Barts because you lost him and he had to retire from football for the infamous karate chop against Uruguay too. But. Yeah, uh, Ray Barts was, apart from Nodi, the greatest player we ever produced. In our team, he meant so much that all our style was built on him, because we had two wonderful three, three fullbacks at that time, uh, who could attack at any set time. That was Colcaran, that was Harry Williams, that was Bobby Hogg before injury, injury. correct? Yep. And that was Dougie. Dougie. Dougie was so silky, mm -hmm. correct? The Dougie attacking meant better crosses than many many wing players in a country because Dougie had European football school under his belt. Mm. So then, then Ray Richards would sit back in the front of four and Ray Richards was formerly striker and he, he read that game like a book. And then Ray knew no attack, just retreat. As soon as the ball is released, Ray had to retreat into the, his own. Mm. Right. But then either Karan or Dougie or Harry would attack available all the time for attack. Ray Bartz stood in that area and Ray Bartz was more dangerous in that area than in a penalty box. Yeah. Because Ray school goals from 30 meters, 20 meters to him was nothing new. And he had incredible personality, tried uh, uh, dealt with, never mm -hmm. had argument with a human being like mm -hmm. uh, like Ray Bartz. Uh, so was losing Cruyff or Gerd Miller mm -hmm. or Franz Beckenbauer in the World Cup mm -hmm. final mm -hmm. playoffs. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know that is a massive loss in Australian football plus his personality. His perso he fitted so well with the boys. Mm -hmm. He was always one of the boys mm -hmm. and that is very much very rare. <coughs> so, uh, but must say this that Adrian in Switzerland played some of the best football in his career. And then I hear East German spies are there, West Germans are watching us playing. And I say, who we are that East mm. Germany, West Germany is watching us playing? We've uh, got some highlights of yeah, the, the game against yeah, West Germany. Yeah, yeah, but before West Germany, our base was Switzerland. And this is where our true preparations happened. Mm. And mm. when we arrived to Basel, was more spectators than you would see on some our state league matches. All cameramen from England, Scotland, Wales, everywhere, because England didn't qualify. Didn't qualify. Mm. And, right. uh, and, and I must say to you, English media was so brilliant with us. That was just absolutely unbelievable. So Brazil was in a black forest just a few, uh, half an hour 
away from us in the same area. Mm. And uh, that was absolutely terrific. So coming to Germany, we come in a football school of FC Hamburg, correct? Yep. And who is, who is in charge of that school? They, all day, all night, fascinating personality, more popular those days than Franz Beckenbauer, Uwe Seller, and the players go to AU. Hey, so I had to call the meeting. I said, do you know who is AU, right? I said, that's a bigger name than Franz Beckenbauer in Hamburg because he played for FC mm. Hamburg. And they were the days when uh, Real Madrid made offer of $6 million for Uwe to play for them, right? Mm. And, uh, but credit to the boys. Uwe to them became one of the friends and uh, they mm. treated each other with absolute respect. Mm. So, so that, that is something that we were already already good team, but when you are into 59th minute, nil all. And I said to Peter Wilson, we played four beautiful offside traps. I said, do not play fifth. Peter ran out, called ran in. And that was one nil that you see. So, uh, but that's an inexperience in, in, in international football that you pay price for. Uh, then West Germany, 63,000 people. But again in Hamburg. In Hamburg. Yeah. And to see German 63,000 people booing German team and clapping Aussies, I was 100 foot tall. <laughs> I could not believe. And Aboni hit the post. Yep. Right? We've got some, yeah, we've got yeah. some highlights and, of that. Uh, and uh, all of these, and, and then comes the third match against Chile in, uh, in Berlin. Chile were on $8,000 per man because if West Germany beat East, East were out, Chile would beat Australia by two, Chile in. Because Chile lost to West Germany 1-0 mm -hmm. and drew one all against East, East Germany, right? So, you know, these are the things that people don't know, uh, not aware of, that... Uh, 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 late David Jack wrote, uh, he said that uh, that uh, we couldn't even beat Chile. Then I rang him up who Chile was and record of Chile. He wrote front page in the papers later apologising. How tough was this game, Noddy, uh, facing the might of West Oh, Germany? I was all right. I did quite well. <laughs> <laughs> Again? I did, yeah. I got a couple of nutmegs. What, what, did, you, what did you think? You know, you, you're going to the World Cup, host nation... And you're up against East Germany now, West Germany, game number two. Yeah, my, uh, my favourite player was a long time before this as well because of the 66 World Cup, Franz Beckenbauer. And uh, I was lucky enough that we swapped shirts after the game. So, uh, But the boss had everything, letting us know what every individual did. Left foot to right foot to players like this, overlaps, you know, toxin in the defensive situations, all about it. So it, it, we did really well considering we were expected to get hammered. We yeah. were expected we to were, get hammered. We were expected to be the easy beats, weren't we? But, you know, we hit the post, we did okay, really. Looking back. <clears throat> you know, I looked up the FIFA website uh, during the week and it indicated that we had second amongst the 16 countries for most successful tackles in the tournament. It shows you how much ball the opposition did, but how well we applied ourselves. And Jimmy had 
uh, number two in terms of in successful, yeah, successful yeah. tackles. Mm. Um, it was uh, eight attempts, eight clean tackles. You get through the two Germany, uh, East and West, haven't scored a goal, haven't got a point, concede five. How do you regroup the boys for the Chile game? Look, um, those days media knowledge was zilch. Today didn't improve very much, <laughs> right? You have to be smart. Mm. Those days, less goals you considered, you had better goal difference. In a case, let let me just. Uruguay had one to six, Australia had zero to five, and you know who was thirteen, who was fourteen. Uruguay 14, Australia 13. They considered the goal those days on an equal goal difference. Mm. Yep. So I got, David Jack wrote a big story. When I gave him facts and figures, I said, you're an idiot. That's what I said to a great friend of mine. I said, you're an idiot. You don't understand this business that Australia finished 13th in the world because of goal less considered. Yep. Right. Today is different. Mm. So. If you are managing something, you have to manage to the fullest. You have to be 100% pro to know exactly what you mm. want to do and how to do. We had our defensive record. And I still say, and the boys will agree with me, presence of Ray Bats on the field, we would beat Chile. And I'm not sure about would we lose against East Germany. Because East Germany was 18 matches. And let me tell you something. What Joe Mercer, who was replies uh, Seraph Ramsey, because I saw match in Leipzig, and I'm there, and I said to Joe, "What do you think after the game?" He said, "Park the bus and hope for the best." <laughs> right? And I said, "For Englishmen to say that, that's unbelievable." He said to me, "If we had another 15 minutes, he said we would die. These people are robots." And they were playing like robots, right? So I was very proud of, uh, of that achievement. Uh, in Berlin, Max and Nodi will agree, the Rhine came absolute, absolute storm. And I, and I, I said, oh, please, a bit more, because I was praying for that Rhine, because Chile, when they put the ball on the floor, you can't touch. They had in defense. Three times South American player of the year, Elias Figueroa. All three times he was outside of Chile, twice in Brazil and once in Uruguay. Mm. South American player of, and Quintano, Valdez and other. Uh, it's a marvelous, <coughs> marvelous success for Australia. Brilliant success, brilliant. And, and we played, Ray Richards was sent off. That's right. Yeah, and we, and we knew how to reshuffle in that situation 10 v 11, you know, to perfection. And you brought on Harry Williams and Peter Olton? Peter Olton and uh, Harry Williams came. That was So you, you, you've gone to your first World Cup. No more testing. Making the first ever point, obviously, for, for Australia. Was it what you wanted accomplished? Is it what you expected or did you want more? Obviously, you want more, but were you happy? Were you happy with what was achieved? But media made everything uh, 
media made everything out of especially English media, which gave us unbelievable credit for our performance, gallant performance, and that we were not sort of just the participants in a tournament. Mm. And, uh, but what I was looking beyond, if I continued, it's easy to say, I developed a generation which was to step in for the few old heads and then Australia from then on would build up into uh, a football power, mm. in my opinion. But that, that wasn't the case. But when you are in a business, for me, it was four years, do it well, do everything you mm. possible. Then I didn't plan beyond four mm. years because <laughs> what happened as it happened. Mm. And uh, uh, the, 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 this is the, the thing. But, uh, to be horrible conditions, are, you know, we yeah. can see. In, look, this look. is in Berlin. West yeah, Berlin? Uh, that was in. Uh, that of course. Was in, in, uh, of course, West Berlin. Yeah, Olympic, West Berlin Olympi <laughs> Olympic Stadium in, 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 in Berlin, which is, uh, which is a remarkable, remarkable place when you think Olympic, that Olympics were held there mm. and Olympic Games and so on. It took you 27 it's, it's, minutes to walk from the dressing room underneath the tunnel back onto the pitch up the steps. Yeah. It was that far away, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, that changed Olympic now. Stadium. It's a new stadium. Crikey. Yeah. But I, I sort of, uh, I stayed till the World Cup final because mm. I was committed to media work and so on. And the World Cup final, people, uh, we walk into the stadium and they say, this is the media. It was about 2,000 people there. <laughs> and then I walked there where was my seat and someone said to me, have a look there. It was Elizabeth Taylor with Dutch boyfriend in the World Cup final. But to tell you something that we, we all felt and feel, all of us can confirm that, when that national anthem was played, you could not be without tea. Secondly, when 16 buses of 16 participating countries were paraded before World Cup final, when they say Australian, people looked at me, all people in media looked like a five cents pieces coming from my earth. Australian, that's all he said. And, uh, you know, how would you feel if you represent one country, but not one country? Australia is continent, mm. Mm. for God's sake. So you are representing part of the world, which is massive. So I built and inbuilt into their minds that national pride, honor, national flag is the greatest gift of six a different national belongings. Mm. And that no one in the world can take away that part of these people, people's feelings towards the country, from Englishmen to Yugoslav to Croatian to um, uh, Irish or Scottish. Uh, God, never, ever, ever, ever. That is the greatest memory for me in my life national pride, honor of this country. Mm. And uh, then, then I felt that golf became, I was speaking in Opera House and Blacktown Workers' Cup 
for Gough to become prime minister, and part of sacking was that too, right? <laughs> Don't worry about it, right? And, and, but I never ever met intellect of that caliber as Gough Whitlam. Never met intellect like that. The man, and, the man who opened the door truly yeah. for multicultural Australia in so yeah. many ways. And, 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 you know, the man who also uh, gave me that opportunity to be part of the government study group mm. for the formation of Institute of Sport, travelling the world on behalf of Australia was, was just a privilege. Just finally on the World Cup, particularly that Max is here, how tough was it for you having players that you couldn't or, or, or didn't bring in uh, f for those games? And Max is, is one of them. You know, he was part of your squad for a period of time. Uh, you know what he brings as he comes off the bench. Uh, how hard is it as a coach? Because you can't put all of them into the uh, starting 11. You ask this man. He had shocker in Terra. Correct? Yeah, I'll, ta I'll take over from there, I did. Yeah. The away game, the away game in Iran. So, sorry for taking over. The, uh, the away game in Iran, I did. I had a shocker. Mm. We were up against it. Even though I had a, a shocker, you know, you're, you're isolated. You're playing up front on your own. Everybody's sort of defending. But I did. I was shit. But I'm the first to put my hand up about that. But he fixed it because he put Max Tolson on. And Max just drove them crazy. He smashed him as soon as he got on there and he started everybody there were all all they wanted to do then was get him. He just you know, he was part of that winning as the game. He was. Uh, he was I, a I massive tell, part. I, I tell you something that Peter Van Rien uh, and I ran on the field when I put my screwing starts on his arm <laughs> and he was standing up and I said, Sit right down, he will send you off. <laughs> and he wants to be Aussie hero. And he lie down and I put that screw in, starts and stayed big mark on his arm. And, you know, Russian referee never gave him a yellow card. But that goalkeeper body language talking to two stoppers that he knocked into the net too. He said, is he crazy? What's wrong? What's wrong with this man? And then but I wait said... Wait a second. You ran on the field instead of the... Oh, doctor. The doctor. Yeah, Dr. Corrigan got upset, but I ran on the field. I said, you stay, I'm going. And I, and I went, I said, lie down. And I put that screw in, starts on his heart. And he screamed, oh. he said, oh, keep screaming. And he's screaming, and this Russian referee never gave him a yellow card. That, that's unbelievable. But Max uh, against uh, Iraq uh, in Melbourne, we needed draw. And I knew how to play for a draw. And we need a draw because if you open, Iraq were so good technically. And they were desperate. They didn't have much to lose, right? Mm. And, uh, and uh, when I, when he really distracted that defense, he tore them apart. And they didn't know who they were, what they were. And he got a bit tired and I said to Max, off we go. I mean, well done, job done. He really got shitty, upset, right? And I said to him um, in a dressing room, then we square up. I gave him big hug and so on. I said, you should congratulate me for taking you off when you are already... I wanted to kill you. Uh, ah, <laughs> that was that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no. Uh, they who, were, who held Max back? No, uh, if, we, if we assess, uh, 
contribution over the years. He was worth every minute in the national team that he spent. Would he next would be on a bench or off the bench? Because the player, like who didn't have a good day, knew that he's, that killer is coming. And that was a mm. big impact, psychological impact, that, uh, mm. that uh, I went to the grand finals with him, with Marconi, one of whom was Australian grand final, uh, 72, and so on. Uh, Max, Max had an intellect, because when you are that kind of player, you can be an idiot, knock someone down and be a hero for two, two minutes, then you get a red card. But Max never was sent off. Never sent off. How was it for you, Max, to be, to be in Germany and to be itching to get out there on the pitch? Say again, my hearing. I, I'm just saying, how, how was it in Germany, you know, to be there and... And, and to be itching to get out on the pitch. And the reason that we are separate, obviously, is because of COVID. Uh, how was it? Well, as you know, I didn't get out on the yeah, pitch. Yeah, that's what I'm saying for you, but personally. It, it was devastating. Um, I was lucky to, to, to leave uh, six weeks prior because I caught the mumps. Oh, jeez. And I was given an ultimatum. If I'm not in the, back up in Warunga the next day, uh, I'd be out. So... You know, as an adult, when you get the mumps, you know where it goes. So it's, it's down below, and I was struggling. To, so I was, it was, it was hard. So I got through that. But Brian Corrigan ruled ruled me out, and uh, of course, I I think I was sent to his uh, practice, and he said, "I've got to rule you out." I said, "This is the second time you, you've done that, and uh, I'll be fit." But he said, "No, you you've." You can't play. We can't let you go over there. If anything happens, anyhow, I don't know what happened, how it came about, but no one came to me that night and said, um, leave, the, leave the squad. So, but I think it was, I think Rally had the last say Rally, as usual. Rally pulled a few strings. Yeah, I think he had the last say as usual, and um, I'm indebted to him for that. And that goes back to what we said before about Rally standing by the players, but... I'd just like to make a comment about the fact that with all rallies achieved, he, he, he was virtually sacked before we went to the finals because of his stand-up with Arthur George. And it's just a tragedy that he left uh, in that situation where another coach came in who wasn't as experienced and mm. Rally had laid the foundation. And really it was because he stood up to Arthur George on several occasions where he needed to because, like in 1970, we came back from Israel um, played on, 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 uh, with a game on the Saturday and the, we got, arrived at the airport on the Tuesday, they sent us home. <laughs> and Uncle Joe Blassett's allowed that. He was a lovely man, good coach. If that had been Rally, Rally would have said, go in the hotel, I'll pay it later. And he would have stood up to Arthur George mm -hmm. and made it happen. Again in Tehran, after the, the match when the Koreans came over for the induction, uh, for the, uh, how the, um, the, the format was laid out, they, uh, Australian delegation went in and agreed mm. that if there was two draws, the next draw, the next game would be paid, I think it was eight or ten days later. <laughs> and Rally made them go back in and change it. And said, you know, they can't, you idiots, right? Um, it was not very <laughs> diplomatic, but he said, you idiots, you go back in and change it because they can't recover as quick as we do. Mm. And as it turned out, we drew in Sydney, we drew in, in um, 
sold, sold. and then yeah. they couldn't recover, and that was the difference between the teams. They couldn't yeah, recover. It was a quick... He was right, he stood yeah. up, and he actually got the sack for it. I mean, yeah. it's just a, it was a tragedy to Australian football. Jimmy, how do we go from talking about me to, to you cutting <laughs> in? Because you're incidental. Huh? You're incidental. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I've just come off the bench. <laughs> I'm, I'm sacked get, again. Get back on the bench. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And can I just bring one thing again about Max? Right? This was in the World Cup. We're playing indoor soccer, aren't oh. we? We're playing indoor soccer. He didn't know what went on. We're down there and there was radiators around the wall. Oh, yeah. So the yeah. ball came and Max has gone to volley and the, his toes had gone inside the radiator oh. and he ripped off, he ripped off half of his toe. So next minute, Max is going, you effing tell anybody about this? And he said, and there's bloody shoes turning colour. So we get Doc Corrigan. Next minute, Doc Corrigan gets him into somewhere and everything. So they've had like a bit of micro surgery, pull it together. This is Max, he's always been like that hard. And you ah, tape it up. I think cut it off is worth five grand. <laughs> <laughs> You let him know, and he said, I'll tell you what, he, he was, he didn't think. And he, there he is, he sat on the bench in the finals. His foot must have been sore. <laughs> the toe's yeah. taking off. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. Right, we, have, we have the history-making first journey to a World Cup for Australian football. Then we see another revolution, of which a few of you are obviously are part of. Uh, the advent of the <clears throat> Phillips Soccer League of... 1977. Uh, first season in, the gentleman here to my right gets the Coach of the Year award at Marconi. A revolution that was long overdue in so many ways, unifying the game throughout the country rally. Uh, that, was, that was really uh, something so special, good feeling. You, you, you go on a, on a plane to Melbourne, Adelaide, uh, those days Perth wasn't part of the league and so on, Newcastle. Uh, it was really a uh, uh, great feeling, sort of like you smell a bit of professionalism creeping mm. into the game slowly. And, uh, and I think this is the time when, when Tobin, Viduka, Widmar Brothers, uh, Vilani, Melta, uh, uh, Peter Shan, uh, God helps you, Gary Byrne, Paul Degney, uh, Jankovic, uh, George, Mark Jankovic, yeah. and so on. We got, <coughs> we got so many players. Heidelberg had... Heidelberg were literally incredible. a national team. Then uh, South Melbourne, uh, uh, that, that, that was the... uh, and players like that, <coughs> Paul White, uh, who, who said that um, um, he couldn't come today because he apologised because he was in Melbourne and he goes in quarantine and so he on. He could be there And for I a wrote to him back, you are dropped. He said, not unusual anyway. <laughs> right. so, it's so each team, each team in the National League had a golden generation yeah, of their own, yeah. didn't they? And Brisbane teams, you know, Lions and, um, and Brisbane City. Brisbane, Brisbane City in the first year. Uh, Newcastle was held to go to play. Wollongong held to go to play. Noddy was coaching uh, yeah. there? Yeah. 77? Uh, that, 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 that was in America. No. Later, you're at Tampa yeah. Bay. So, so that was something so special for... For us, you could feel that professionalism is coming into the game. And referees became part of the game at the same time. And uh, 
character of these people like uh, Boscovich, Donald, Campbell, Richard Lawrence and Witzke, Henry Witzke, Lawrence, not Lawrence, Kit Locker, Kit Locker, Kit Locker, Chris and became sort of game of personalities, really. Donald Campbell is a great friend of mine even today, and he is watching this program. Donald, my ex-coach. What? He was your coach. Donald Campbell coached me. True. So you wish him two years, eleven and twelve years old. You wish him good luck. That's one of the great characters of the game. Fantastic. And great Martin Royal was doing Uruguay and Australia, and and he didn't say that was Donald Campbell. That was one of the greatest games of Donald. He was in charge of the match when he sent Garisto off. And uh, what a friend. I, mm. I think uh, Donald and Margaret every few weeks to say hello. And uh, they, they, they are memories of the great people. And um, I mean, that gentleman there, yeah. 512 games, Alex? You could be right, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you I mean, can't remember where, where, where are you on the list now? Yeah. NSL appearances. Uh, you, good question. I'll have, to, have, check to, the records, have to check your but, figures. I'm not sure. But, so you grew up watching yes. NSL games and thinking, well, I'd love to be able to get to that level because it came seven or eight years after the, the league started for you. Correct. It was, yeah. But it was a different generation because you, you, I grew up, I wasn't from a football background, so I didn't necessarily know a lot about the, the National League. It's a... It's almost ridiculous to say Non-football background? No, 100%. So, say, for example, and this is literally true, the first NSL game that I saw was my debut in the NSL. What? So, I, I wasn't familiar with the game. I was playing in local NPL, what it would be NPL <laughs> in South Australia, when I was 16, 17, and went straight up into Brilliant. Adelaide City. And, and it was different then because they'd often give the... 17 year old or whatever a chance and you would just put you in so and, you, you you were sold on the game after that eh? oh, I actually i had to travel to south melbourne my first game was against south melbourne i was at middle there. park at middle park i was like what am i doing and and i guess that was, but it was very much a sink or swim you know lots yeah. of younger players were thrown in the deep end i guess and if you if you managed to swim you you stayed there yeah, it was a different i mean the, the the national league delivered some of our iconic players i mean Absolutely. Uh, the golden generation uh, evolved on the back of that um, i remember commentating mark Viduka's first game uh, Drillich's first goal there's so many highs mark so schwarzer many. you yeah. know this teenage Kalats, kid Kalats, Bozo. you know all, all those you guys know, um, unbelievable players you know and Endo. looking at it now where we are now um COVID, Thank God the, the league resumes very soon and it, there's going to be game after game after game in a short period of time. Yeah, we needed a change. I, I, I get it with the A-League. Um, it, it, it sort of peaks, it plateaus, it peaks again. We're in a competitive market now. How do we re-establish ourselves and get up to the lofty heights? Changing of the guard in administration. Women's World Cup, unbelievable Incredible. news. Incredible. It, it, how proud were you, Rally, when you heard that? I, I think that uh, so many people take different view. You have to look realistically. I remember at San George, Jim knows, and Adrian knows, we had a good team because San George was struggling with the crowd and yeah. trying to attract every possible way. <coughs> comes uh, Trixie, uh, uh, Trixie, 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 Trixie
Pet O'Connor yeah. comes, so many <coughs> of them, they wanted to play, they wanted to be part of the game and credit must be given. Those days it was sort of taken a, like a joke. Yeah. And uh, I gave my track suit after we arrived from the World Tour, uh, my first World Tour, to Pet O'Connor. I have never seen size of the tears like that. And, it, and she still has that track suit and she said, if you create the Australian Football Museum, mind you, that football museum is my registered name over 20 years. And you can never, ever take, uh, you know what Martin Luther said? Mm -hmm. I have a dream. I have the same dream now that one day generations of us, our children, grandchildren, our nation will be proud of one museum that would unite a nation. We, till now, we have FFA sending good wishes, best wishes, which you said mm. before. All states endorsed uh, a, a positivity towards that. that your, your collection uh, is second to none. Uh, it's uh, to, uh, uh, to, uh, on the 13th of August will be 50 years since I took over Socorus. I mean, I took over 1970. So, so that that what you see there is something I rank great Harry Michaels, and I say I have two and things we, to talk to you. Yeah, about. we have to thank Harry about today as well. No, but I yeah. I said to him I have a few things to talk to you about. And he said, what are they? I said, I want to make the film and museum. He said to me, forget about film. Anybody makes the film today. Museum, I'm extremely interested in. Uh, so my ambition is that this great nation takes that on a board and be proud that we are united, that a united football its conclusion mm. because New South Wales, Victoria, all states endorse. Mm. FFA, I got best wishes from the chairman today for this beautiful function and, uh, and so on. Uh, that collection is unique. It's not only about Australian. It's linking the world because Franz Beckenbauer played here with New York mm. Cosmos. Giorgio Kinalia played here. That was that was uh, a crazy 1979 ex exactly. night in Sydney. Exactly, uh, uh, Pelé played here. All players that played here, Diego played here against you yourself, mm. and so on. That collection is a global collection. Are you, are you offering? If, let me get this right. Are you offering your amazing collection of football memorabilia to a museum if it was to happen? Is that what you're looking at doing? No, I have a I have a team, a team which is dream team, equal to my Socceroos of the field. Harry Michaels is, is, is it's a God's gift. And I never ever in my life met a man who is so enthusiastic, honest, and create tears in his eyes when you bring football as football, and what a. What a character, what a personality rings 
rings at 12.25 after midnight, mm -hmm. rings 7.05 <laughs> in the morning, I have a news for you. And uh, meeting these wonderful people like Harry and around Harry, and his dream is much greater than mine at the present time because he's a driving force. And uh, we have a... We need to preserve uh, our history. I have rally. something that I want to leave to this nation to be proud because there is no nation on the planet that has Federation headquarters and museum in one property. Germany is headquarters of Frankfurt and Dortmund is museum. Brazil has three different areas because how massive the country is and so on. England, they don't have either, right? But my idea was when I was 15 years of age, Maracana Stadium, that match, uh, I created such a passion. And uh, then I played the game against that Gigia, who, who was in that team, with Vojvodina against Roma. And uh, so that link, and I have that uh, Gigia shirt in my museum. I mean, that's a memory plus. plus. So when you giving gift to the nation that you love, and we created, and we all agreed that national anthem is pride and honor of us, right? Mm. Uh, uh, we incorporated and recognized so many indigenous people. Mm. And to, to my way of thinking, uh, Charles Perkins who was a great friend of mine, but he made such a massive emotional contribution to football to encourage Harry Williams and other generations, Tony Brennan uh, um, and many others, you know, uh, as you mentioned before. Uh, that is a massive, massive, massive uh, move to me. Would we, if, if it wasn't World Cup, we wouldn't be talking. But to me, this museum, is a collection of Australian football history is, is a just absolutely unique and our nation has to be proud of that. And I would be, boss, I would be so proud. But boss, the question was, are you going to give <laughs> all your memorabilia? <laughs> no, no, no. No, uh, no, no yeah, really? I, make, I make this clear. No, I, he's, given, wearing, he's given a lot no, already. No, I'm wearing this hat. Yeah. Malcolm Mackay gave me this hat. He said, that's for you, for your museum. I have Jim's shirt from Hong Kong. We haven't mentioned our mascot, Jim's Kane. Yeah. Jim's Kane mm. is worth, no money can buy his hat, his Thank jacket, you. and his uh, lemon pants, hurrah, here we come. <laughs> no money in the world can buy that. And that belongs to our nation. That belongs to our history. Young men didn't know anything about football. Leads the country no, on 100 plus occasions for Australia. And that is something that people, generations below him, have to be basic on that principle that I, you never I, played I, I, and you played for Australia. Your first done. game of National League watching was the one you was played it, in. Was the first game that I saw. is, I, all because, these years I never knew that. Because Alex. It, was, it was different and the, and the, the coverage for, for a non-football kid that's was right. just I was just playing football. <laughs> and that's what we're talking about. It's acknowledging mm. the history so that 
every person who steps forward, kicks a ball, boy or girl, actually understands who came well, before the, and the history of the you great know, game. You're not going to believe it, Chance, but we've only got about like three or four minutes left. We've almost cracked two hours. And in, in a sense, we've, we've reflected on the journey of rally as best as we can and in, incorporated you guys into it. We're sort of scratching the surface because we've, we've just thrown in NSL, women's football, the future, A-League. That's only coming literally at the back end. For another day, perhaps, for another day, we should s sum up by getting closing comments from each of you, his team, his teammates, about Rally's legacy. So I'll start with you, Max. The legacy that is Rally Rasik. Amazing man. I think as a young person, <clears throat> if you listen to him, you learn a lot in life. Um, you've heard him talk t tonight. It's just he can engage anyone. Mm. He can hold. He can hold himself with anyone. So that was my first impression mm. of him when I when I met him. That if if if, if you if you've learned something in life, or if you haven't learned something after leaving this guy mm. playing with him, you haven't. You're not listening. Okay, Jim. Yeah. Look, I think it's more than. Um just what he's done on field and the, 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 what he, the, the, um, the trophies he's won and, and um, the achievements he's had on the field. It's what he's done off field um, to support so many players. Um, big supporter of the women's game in the early stages when it was, I, was, I remember being told mm. myself, don't get involved in the women's game, you won't be taken seriously. Rally was prepared mm. to support them in those days. But it's what he's done off the field and, you know, a lot of players who suffered hard times, me being one of them at one stage, mm. um, he, he does a lot of that sort of work off mm. the field. Nobody knows about it, but he mm. does that. So he's, his contribution to football, um, mm. as everybody mm. knows, is not as great probably yeah. as his contribution under as, as what he's done that people don't know about. OK. Alex? Because you said legacy, it's you know, mm. what follows rally. And, yeah. and it's just, we talked about the, the uh, Museum of Football. We talked mm. about an acknowledgement of our history. Mm. Uh, Socceroos, absolutely, the 74 Socceroos, but Matildas. Uh, NSL, A-League, all of the different leagues in, uh, in, in every code and gender. And um, I think that that's going to be his legacy, that people, mm. there is a, just a, a better acknowledgement of football um, uh, because that rally was here. Noddy? Yeah, quick. Um, you carried us on your shoulders to the World Cup. Oh, I'm so proud. So proud, boss. There you go, you have your answer. Yeah, look, Rally, um, whether this happens again, we don't know. I'm blessed to be here, that's all. Uh, your legacy will live in memory of those of us that have travelled the journey with you, those of us that have watched the journey from afar. Yeah. People like who couldn't be here today, Stefan Kamaz. I want to thank um, Chris Nico, James Johnson, Stuart Hodge, all those different state federations, FFA. Um, Harry Michaels, our executive producer, who um, helped to facilitate today. Spiro Pappas for igniting the flame. Uh, Rally, we salute you, my friend. We salute you. Thank, Thank you, you for such wonderful memories and Godspeed yeah, ahead. Yeah. And we, we want to do it again one day. Thank you. Thank See you, you next week.